Hi, this is Chipsel, and you're listening to the Sound Architect Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Sound Architect Podcast. I'm Sam Hughes, and I'm joined by the incredibly talented Chips L. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Now, before we go straight into the questions, for the benefit of our listeners, would you just describe a bit about yourself and what type of music you write? Uh, so I'm a video game composer, and I started out in making music with Game Boys. That's kind of how cool. I managed to get to where I am. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of music is it that you write? Uh, so the music is known as, well, the, the music on Game Boys is known as chiptune or chip yep. music. And what I do is I have a, a program called Little Sound DJ or LSDJ. It's made by this Swedish engineer called Johan Kotlinski. Oh, cool. Uh, and it's a piece of homebrew software. So he just went out of his way to make it himself and inspired a generation of people to jump around on stage with a Game Boy. <laughs> That's an amazing image to, to conjure up there. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> Who would have thought? So you say it began when you, you kind of just started playing around with that. But I mean, how did it really begin that you wanted to write music and you you thought that this is the kind of music I want to write? So from maybe about like the age of 12 or 13, I got really interested in like dabbling in guitar and piano. And I sort of like loved the idea of making electronic music mostly by the time I got to about 14, 15 and my taste sort of changed. Right. Um, and I downloaded like Fruity Loops, the demo version, and <laughs> didn't, you know, didn't have a clue how to work it, but was like eagerly trying to do something with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, dolls are so expensive that when I was uh, 16, I was working part time uh, in a news agents for 350 an hour. Oh, wow. And that's not exactly the sort of wage where you can splurge on a on a doll. Yeah, it's so. not exactly a Pro Tools HD setup coming, is there really? Yeah, that? exactly. <laughs> no hand Zimmer coming from me right away. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I started listening to this style of music called chiptune. Uh, and I just instantly fell in love with it. Like it, it confused me at first because I was kind of like, is this like a game soundtrack I don't know anything <laughs> about? Or... But no, it turned out it was this whole movement of people that were making music with uh, with retro consoles and making music and art. And so it like it, I, it, it just blew me away. I thought it was like just from looking at videos of people going nuts on stage with like Game Boys and Commodores and what have you. I was just like, this is so punk. This is like <laughs> it is pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's so weird and different, and it's sort of like it's consumerist in its own way, but anti-consumerist in another. <laughs> and um, so yeah, I just I I started looking into it. How how was it made? How what was this wizardry? <laughs> and then uh, eventually, you know, I got myself set up, and I used uh, my Game Boy from whenever I was younger. And it wasn't quite as simple as it is now, but I did get set up eventually. And within a couple of months, I had my first show. And oh, wow. yeah, it all just kind of took off from there. It wasn't too long before I had my first show abroad. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That's awesome. It all just like a whirlwind to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and then here we are today. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hi. Hiya. Hi, Mom. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so when it's accessing the Game Boy, so this is the Game Audio Nerd coming out of me now. So, is it by USB that you connect it? To things and there's a software that accesses the the chip inside the Game Boy. So not really, but so I'll give you a walkthrough. When uh, so the program itself is uh, just as as a, a game would be on a cartridge, but there's no official cartridge for Little Sound DJ or LSDJ. It was never mass produced. Oh, wow. Instead, it is like a ROM that you download and then you put it onto an empty cart, which is 
much easier today than it was when I started. <laughs> yeah, why well, was changed? Because now it's plug and play. Um, luckily, you know, the, there's all these DIY engineers that are, you know, trying to do all these different things to make chiptune more accessible. Yeah. Uh, but when I started, you needed to have a thing called a transfer kit too, which was this device that may as well have been a Game Boy in itself for the size and the weight of it. And it plugged into the printer port. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> and required its own separate adapter, a power oh, wow. supply. So uh, this is how you would... So what you would do is you write the music on uh, the, the, the cartridge, essentially. It has a small amount of memory. But to save the pieces of music that you write, you have to connect it to the computer in some way and to get the, the ROM on and off, you know? All right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, an interesting story. I had a... I lost eight months of music oh, no. uh, at the start because I was using the wrong power supply. I was using an AC instead of a DC power supply. Oh, so, no, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. And this not it's been the, that was the first of many uh, technical errors that comes with chip tune. Oh yeah, I bet there's tons. You know, yeah. it's, it's bad enough just having a PC. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> so, would you? then record that into a door afterwards or would it be like a web file or i'm really interested in how this works so so the the cartridge is the the music software and you open it up and uh you if you know if you've ever used a tracker like fami tracker or milky tracker or mm -hmm. any of these sort of trackers may be uh something that anybody recognizes it's the same format uh but you're limited to four channels so yeah. You have two pulse channels, a wave channel and a noise channel. And the pulse channels allow you to use instruments that have square waves, uh, sorry, pulse waves. So you can have square wave, 25, 50, 75. Uh, and that's all that you can do within there. And the wave channel is more interesting. It's got, a, a, you, you can use uh, samples. So you can get a, a, a program on your PC. Is it down sample? Is that what it does? Yeah, and then yeah. so basically you drag in like very small clips and then you export those clips and then you put them onto the cartridge and then you can play with samples, but only, you know, it'll be super bit crushed and downsampled. That sounds awesome. I mean, I think a lot of people take it for granted these days that they just assume that people have some sort of plug-in instrument and then they just go to town. But yeah. there's so many limitations and, it, you know, it must be kind of a nice creative way of working with restrictions right big time it really is um like even now when i'm working on a DAW or you know even working with hardware um so i should mention that i don't really have any you know formal music training like i have very basic knowledge of music theory and and synthesis and sound design and things but yeah lsdj was where i learned to compose and where i learned to write music so i still find that i come up with my most intricate stuff and the most interesting things there than anywhere but yeah, sorry, I think that's uh, due to the limitations because so because you're limited to those four channels. So on the wave channel is where I would do my kick and my bass. And for that reason, you know, so you'll have the, the kick instrument and then you'll have the bass instrument and they play um, separately. So every, yeah. you, you're basically squishing as much information that re resembles a song as possible <laughs> into four channels of, uh, of creation. And not even four because the noise channel is just for shaping noise. That's for your hi-hats, your snares, things like that. Yeah. So do you stick to the four channel limit for a whole track? Yeah. Well, well um, so for some, you can you can synchronize two Game Boys. You can synchronize as many Game Boys as you like. Oh, wow. Um, it's getting even more complicated now. <laughs> yeah. So this is where, yeah, this is where the hardware issues might come into play because, you know, you have to ensure that everything is synced up for this reason. One Game Boy is generally safe. Two Game Boys is also reasonably safe. But then beyond that, you're kind of talking a little bit too much clutter. 
Yeah, and what's your craziest setup been so far? Um, only two. Um, I would very much like to experiment with many Game Boys, but then I think that would look very strange at, <laughs> you know, like... TSA security, like, why are you traveling with all these Game Boys for? All oh, these just, cables and electronics. I'm just a super hipster. I just, uh, <laughs> all the technology beyond, you know, 2000 is uh, not entertaining to me. <laughs> and what about the mixing stage? Once you've got your four tracks out of the LSDJ and stuff, what, do you mix in a door afterwards and, and combine everything there? or? Yeah, so I would usually record each channel separately and then uh, mix and master from there. So it's, uh, you know how you have the headphone output yeah. um, from the, the Game Boy? So that's how, you, you know, I originally started to record, but then you can um, modify the Game Boy to alter the the outputs. So my Game Boys that I, uh, I bought off someone who does it because I'm not very good with electronics... <laughs> <laughs> is a stereo RCA output, which is also very handy for whenever I'm jumping around on stage so the game bo- uh, the cables don't come loose because that tend- tended to happen way too many times when I was using the mini jack and the Game Boy. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so you've got, like, what, eight albums now? Is that right? Uh, oh, my God, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, some, something like that, about eight albums, which is incredible. And, and, and do, you, do you manage to remember every single track note for note? No, <laughs> definitely not. No, the the live performance works more like a DJ setup. So you have your songs loaded to the bank, and then it's uh you know mixing in in between both of them. So oh, okay, cool. yeah, you don't rec- you don't recreate everything on stage from scratch. Well, I was going to say that must have been like in crazy. If you wanted to, it'd be crazy complicated, right? It would be crazy complicated and probably not very interesting for the listener. <laughs> like if you were <laughs> if you were to peep into my my composition methods it would be a lot of um playing every note until i find the right one sort of thing (laughs) so god help anyone that had to listen to that yeah just kind of trial and error going through each noise (laughs) exactly so what is your standard kit for recording at home then literally just your pc and a game boy um for chiptune stuff yeah but i i'm also using a a dot now um but i have my sound card and my speakers and I have a JP8000, which I have yet to make some interesting things on, but that's definitely exciting because that's where all the classic 90s trance and rave gets its sounds from. Yeah. Which I think would combine very nicely with Chiptune. Um, so, yeah, but it's, it's just literally a matter of composing on the Game Boy and then recording straight into the audio interface and then uh, mixing with a DAW. Yeah, which DAW do you use just out of interest? Uh, Logic at the minute, but I am very much considering switching to Ableton for flexibility and creative control. Yeah, I hear it's really good for live gigs as well, Ableton Live. Yeah, and I've also um, purchased a, uh, it's a type of Arduino boy, uh, which is this sort of, um, basically it's a device by Thirsty's Customs, I believe the merchandise person is called, and um, it allows me to, you know the the data link? That you would get on Game Boy, you know, that little uh, slot where you could like trade Pokemon and stuff with other (laughs) players. So you can get MIDI information from that and send MIDI information to it. So you can essentially have the Game Boy synchronized with Ableton, but it only works with Ableton. So that's a big reason for the change because I can be playing, you know, something in session view and Ableton and then have the Game Boy as the MIDI controller that decides tempo and decides when to play. And things like that so oh, awesome so it's a lot more kind of creativity there and control yeah it gives you that sort of jamming vibe where you yeah. can just 
play around with stuff, whereas Logic feels very kind of like you're on your own <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> now, I'm curious, it's probably going to be a very noob question, but um, mm. is it only the classic Game Boy or can you do it with any of the older Game Boy series or like a Game Boy Color? Or... Yeah, you can do it with any of the Game Boys, um, but the classic has the best sound. It's got more bass. Oh, okay, cool. Mm. And I mean... This is a, another random question, I guess. But in terms of describing it as chiptune music, is there a limit? Like you're only allowed to use chiptune sounds? Are you saying how you wanted to mix the other sounds in because it would sound really cool? Does that become a different genre then? It's like some sort of chiptune hybrid or something? This is sort of like the age-long question here. I mean, you're talking about chiptune purists. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. Is there an elite, yeah. elite set of people out there? <laughs> well, you know, so not you know, it, the 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 lines are becoming forever more faded between like what is chiptune and what isn't because yeah, you know, there's um there's a VST called Chip Signs, which is really good at replicating all sorts of sign chips of all oh, right, references. Yeah. Um, and, you know, chiptune is sort of slyly making its way into the mainstream to the point where, you know, I, I listen to, like, not obscure music, but stuff that's, you know, popular in other sort of genres. And there's it seems to just be sort of making appearances everywhere. So yeah. I I don't even know what that <laughs> It's a weird question, you know. It's like a, <laughs> kind of something that I struggle with myself. I'm like, oh, well, is this even chiptune anymore if I put a fucking, you know, synthesizer behind it? I don't know. And does it does it matter, really, you know? That's yeah, that's what question. I was going to say. I don't think it matters yeah, at the end yeah. of the day. Music is music. If you like the sound of it, then happy times. Yeah, and that's always my kind of opinion. And yeah, you restrict yourself in terms of you wanting to write with the Game Boy with four tracks. But, you know, if you want to make something, make it, right? You know, there's no reason to stop you. Exactly. I mean, like, I'm going up to, well, it's nine years now, so almost uh, 10 years doing uh, live performance and mostly working with Game Boy. And I think it's about time to sort of move on a little bit and try out new things. It's not to say that chiptune is important or it's not something I'm going to do, but yeah, you know, it's just something you don't want to be tied to forever. And I think that should be understandable. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, people can traverse many genres. They don't always have to do the same genre. Yeah, yeah, I would hope so. Would you say there's like a key genre you'd like to try out? Well, it's interesting because, like, especially since uh, I wrote Interstellaria, the soundtrack, it's yeah. um, all of that came very naturally to me. I actually really like the slower approach to music and sort of approaching, um, you know, more down tempo and ambience and atmospheric and sort of I don't know things that sort of mean more. If yeah. that if that makes sense, no, I just yeah, like I the I like the idea of uh, you know music having an, an emotional presence the atmosphere i don't know yeah, yeah. meaning meaningful I guess. <laughs> that's all i can really say so yeah i mean was spectra your first game that you wrote for or did you write for games before that for spectra yeah oh no super hexagon was before spectra okay that was it yeah super hexagon so i mean how did you first get into writing for games did they approach you uh yeah so it was actually super hexagon was the uh the one that sort of made everything change course um Terry Kavanagh, the developer, approached me, well, via email, um, and said that he'd made this Flash game called Hexagon. And then he asked my permission to use uh, Courtesy in this Hexagon Flash game. And I was like, yeah, of course, I played the game and it was really addictive and really cool. And I thought it was incredible. So he approached me a couple of months later and said that he was going to be making a mobile version of the game and would... He I'd be interested in letting him use a couple more tracks 
And of course, oh, cool. I was, yeah, I was like, because, you know, I'd noticed on my SoundCloud that a lot of people were commenting on courtesy, like, oh, this is where I died, or this game is so frustrating <laughs> and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is really making the rounds. A lot of people seem to be interested in this game. So, but I was not prepared for what came after that. <laughs> yeah. It went from like, hey, do you want to, do you want your music in this game to like, IGF, San Francisco, GDC. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. So I was still in university at the time as well. Oh, man, I bet that was mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just going to ask, did you find, so when you when you approached to kind of write the whole soundtrack for the game, did you change any part of your process? Did you have to think about things differently? or? So for Super Hexagon, it was uh, pre-release tracks. I'd already put them up on SoundCloud, yeah, and sure. it was just a matter of, uh, he actually wrote, as far as I'm aware, he actually designed the game around it. So that was... Uh, oh, wow, that's quite interesting. Quite quite cushy on my behalf. <laughs> yeah, it made your life a lot easier. You know, yeah, just take them. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Looks good, man. <laughs> <laughs> so was, was Spectra kind of the first one that you were approached to write for the game then? So Spectra was already released as well. As, as well. Oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And then it was another game that was uh, designed around the, the theme of the album. But Interstellar, easy, I was see? in from the, the get-go. <laughs> there we go. There's the question you want. Interstellaria. <laughs> there you go. Interstellaria right here. <laughs> so, um, so that's the first one you kind of bespoke, wrote the music for the game. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So did it change your... I mean, you obviously changed your thoughts afterwards because you were saying that you're thinking about writing more emotional and more meaningful pieces mm -hmm. did it kind of start straight away that you automatically changed your process or did you just kind of sit there and go hmm so what am I going to do this time well so here's the thing I didn't actually know how to well I mean I'd never really you know set out to, to only write something on a DAW I always relied on the Game Boy as like the the piece of hardware that I would use to yeah. do the compositions because that's all I really knew um but yeah, after I came out of university, I was like, okay, things that are important, I need to know how to mix, I need to know how to produce and master and do all these things, because if I'm going to be a video games composer, then I need to be able to do these things. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're kind of important. I can't just be like, here's my Game Boy track with a MP3 that's a shitty quality. There you go. You can use that in your game. Um so yeah, uh, the, um, Cold Rice, who is the developer of Interstellaria, uh, sent me an email and said, you know, I'm looking to make this game and it's going to be kickstarted. Uh, would you be interested? And I was like, of course, this looks amazing. And he was really sweet. And uh, we sort of clicked right away. Oh, and yeah, and then and it was sort of a trial and error process. And I, I uh, sent him like a ton of ideas. And every time I sent him things, he was like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> and then and I was like, no, but it's not. It needs to be better. It needs. It doesn't fit. Oh, and, and you know, so it was a space game, and it needed to be at atmospheric and and uh, you know, space spacey. Yeah. So, I get along somewhere along the way, I was kind of like, okay, chiptune is a little bit too harsh for space, and no matter how much delay I add onto it, it's still <laughs> still a little bit, uh, you know. Um, tiring on the ears after a while you know yeah. this game. originally this game like i think it's about 16 hours gameplay now but it used to be about 40 to 60 oh wow so yeah um and then i was like okay i'll set myself a challenge i will maybe use the game boy at some uh, sometimes but not all the time i won't rely on it so i have to figure out how to use this star efficiently and effectively this is my challenge that i'm setting to myself i need to do it <laughs> And um, yeah, so I was actually kind of surprised about what came out because um, 
Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really proud of it, to be honest. It was um, the first thing that I put my literal everything into. Yeah, it must have been quite a um, kind of nerve-wracking experience, whereas before it was stuff that they already liked and they were like, yeah, we're just going to take this if that's cool. And then now you've got to be like, so I made this thing for your thing. <laughs> Did you like it? Like... <laughs> and he, every time he's like, yep, this is great. And I was like, I can't. I can't tell. I'm just gonna have to go by my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, is that it? No, no feedback. Like... <laughs> uh, he didn't know a lot about music, but he knew a lot about game development. So we were a strange team where it was just like, okay, you handle that end, and I'll just handle this end. And, <laughs> yeah, and which, we trust a lot that... with the uh, the audio team. Yeah, exactly. But it was only um, myself and him, and then um, the James who did the the sound effects. So it was a very small team considering the size of the game. Oh, uh, yeah, cool yeah sometimes that's nicer especially for a like your kind of first project like i say where you're composing yeah. for it. it's kind of nice to work with a small team yeah it was it was very nice i uh i had a lot of freedom on that project and that was kind of you know all i was really looking for at the time was just that freedom to to learn and to experiment and to see what works and what doesn't and then you know in the process i went ultimately insanely overboard and produced <laughs> a 55 track soundtrack of course, <laughs> um, naturally <laughs> why not but yeah i don't know that was sort of more for myself i just wanted to prove that you know if the to prove to myself that if a big project came along i'd be able to tackle it so yeah, yeah that's cool and did it inspire you to suddenly become like big orchestral composer <laughs> i would absolutely love to honestly like uh austin winter is a good friend of mine and recently i went to um this recording studio in london and i watched him record for oh, wow, uh, nice. a new game and i was just like man this is what i want to do <laughs> yeah he's a fantastically talented man austin he's, he's incredible. he really is yeah so are you trying to branch out into that kind of genre as well are you currently writing anything in that style i mean it's uh you know i'm just sort of going with the flow at the minute and just sort of writing whatever comes out yeah um but yeah i don't know it's not it's not that i don't i want to get away from game boy stuff it's just that i want to be a composer you know yeah. to be where it's like if, if someone says to me hey can you write this i'll be like no but i'll figure it out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you know like can you can you write western style like not a fucking chance but i can i do have youtube at my disposal so give me a week <laughs> yeah a few tutorials i'll be right there <laughs> yeah well no when, uh during interstellaria actually it's funny because um gold race had you know he wanted the the different races of the of the world that he'd created to be uh, to have different styles yeah so <laughs> one of the uh guidelines was that i think it was um the oh feck what was it let me check um anyway one of the races uh he said like you know keep in mind that you know Mega Man is the sort of theme that we're going for <laughs> with like chip tune but these guys are sort of like russian-esque and i was like okay. so russian Megamon in space that's a thing right yeah, gotcha why not? all right and then like <laughs> that was just that just resulted in days of me um looking up like soviet marches and, like, <laughs> traditional russian folk music and things and then you know i was just kind of like i'm just gonna take like some of these ideas and run with it and see what happens oh, amazing let's keep an eye out for that now in the soundtrack <laughs> yeah yeah it was the uh sauna i believe okay cool sauna yeah. race. I'll fire that fire that up afterwards so, I mean, you must play games yourself, right? Yes, I do. So what's kind of one of your key favorite games, would you say, for music? 
Oh, for music? Mm. Oh, let's see. I mean, Journey's definitely up there. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to say that. You're friends with Austin now, you know? (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, like, definitely it is, though, because he was one of the bigger sort of inspirations once I, you know, after Super Hexagon, he sort of, like, helped me out with them. You know, he just spoke to me and was just like, okay, you're going to be a composer now. (laughs) Oh, wow, nice. Um, So, yeah, he's he's a big uh, favorite of mine. And Danny Baranowski. um, Oh, yeah, classic, yeah. Big Giant Circles. Um, but game audio that completely blows me away is uh, Samaras 3 and Machinarium, the work of Amanita. Oh, right, yeah, they're fantastic titles. I, I remember when I first picked up Machinarium, actually. It's a nice, quirky little kind of point-and-click game, isn't it? Yeah, they have a, it's just a really good aesthetic. Uh, yeah, when I first played Samaras 3, the audio completely blew me away. And what about any games that you like to play? I mean, you must play a few as well. I do. Um, right now I'm playing a lot of Civ 6 oh, nice. because I love the Civilization series. It was the first game, uh, sorry, I, I was introduced to the series at Civ 5, um, which is probably awful for a lot of purists out there. <laughs> but I did, I loved it. And it was the first game that really got me involved in like wanting to know about, more about history and sort of understanding the timeline and stuff, you know. Yeah, um, definitely. And made made me really think like a world leader in the way that, you know, domination is key. Of course, you know, and now you've got your new plan for world domination, thanks to civilization. Exactly. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, you know, while you're touring around the, the world, that's kind of in the back of your mind, really. Yeah, that's it. I'm just like, how can I take over this place? <laughs> With chiptune. <laughs> the only tool at my disposal. That would be an interesting plot. <laughs> world domination via chiptune. Yeah, I mean, it could result in a happier world. Who knows? Just party all the time, bleep bloops forever. <laughs> that doesn't sound too bad to me. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, I'm also playing Skyrim Remastered as well because, like, The Elder Scrolls is one of my favorite series as well. Um, introduced to it uh, with Oblivion. Um, so when I was younger, we had a, a Super Nintendo in the house, and we had like a couple of games, but. I didn't really get into gaming myself until we had PlayStation 2 and then like again just a couple of games and I sort of like didn't really play games as much from say 13 to about 18 and then I picked up Oblivion out of the blue on eBay. I was just like oh what are some cool fantasy games (laughs) and uh, find Oblivion, ordered it for a fiver, it was like score. Little did I know that that five pounds would go so yeah, far. You opened the and, door. <laughs> oh, my God. I missed so much university because of that game. <laughs> so is it university? Everyone has, like, one game where they're like, oh, man, like, that game nearly ruined me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, the worst thing is I put in about five, six hundred hours, maybe. Whoa. And then I lost my save game. Oh, no. God. Mm-hmm. I hate it when that happens. Yeah, but I mean, I think that was maybe a sign from a higher part. <laughs> yeah. It's time to stop. <laughs> yes, time to study. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. So we're just coming towards the end of our time now, but what's coming up for you now? I mean, obviously you've got some gigs coming up. Is there anything else lined up in the future? Uh, yeah, I'm currently working on an EP, which is a little bit different to my usual releases. It's sort of like a hybrid of Interstellaria meets Progressive house trance meets my original stuff nice. i guess is probably the best way to describe it's it it's a with... long genre description yeah <laughs> it, yeah i know if you can if you can sum her up in five words <laughs> um yes it's uh it was supposed to be a summer ep and unfortunately a few things got in the way of it but 
it's uh, got a message of hope. And I think that that's probably what everybody needs right about now. <laughs> yeah, it's good timing for the end of 2016. <laughs> yeah. <Sure. laughs> or maybe I'll just release it in 2017. Just like, come on, we can fucking do this, guy. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is setting the pace. And then, um, yeah, after that, uh, I have a lot of LSDJ stuff that I do want to release that I've been um, sitting on for quite a long time now as well. Okay, but nice. it just requires a little bit of care, a little bit of love before it goes out. Yeah, cool. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you, Chipsil. Thanks for joining us today. We won't keep you much longer, but um, we look forward to hearing more of your music soon. Ah, thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Sound Architect podcast, sponsored by Krotos Limited, creators of Simple Monsters and Dehumanizer. Don't forget you can also catch all of our great reviews and other articles at our website at www.thesoundarchitect.co.uk. If you would like to support The Sound Architect, please check out our sponsorship link as well as our Patreon.